Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from Lead Pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. Well, Merry Christmas. How are you this evening? We are glad that you are here with us to celebrate uh, this evening. Um, we had a, uh, just a wonderful uh, first service at, at 4 o'clock. Glad you're here for our 6 p.m. service. Uh, we love the tradition that we have here of sharing and in, in singing carols together, candle lighting, sharing in communion together. Uh, it's just always a great time to be together at, at Christmas. We have another tradition that we engage in uh, every Christmas Eve service, and that is to uh, provide a special offering for a gospel work somewhere in the world. And this year, um, we are going to take uh, an offering up, and the way that we're going to do that is there are offering envelopes in the back of your, the seats in front of you. You can pull one out uh, to give uh, an offering for this. Um, It's going to a very special cause in Medellin, Colombia, Esther's home. It's a ministry that we have the privilege of serving in partnership with, uh, it's a home that you're going to see uh, here in just a minute in, in a video, um, and we'll explain it in greater detail than I can. Uh, we're in partnership. We're one of the distribution centers for the coffee that you'll hear about. But tonight, we felt like we wanted to do more for that ministry than, than just help them sell their coffee. We really felt like we wanted to give them a gift of love uh, because of all the work they're doing. So if you'll watch this video, it'll explain it a little bit better. Hey, do you like coffee and babies? Let me tell you a story. See, I'm from Esther's home. Esther's home is in Medellin, Colombia. And you might never been to Medellin, Colombia, but Medellin, Colombia has a beautiful city with lots of great things happening. But within that city, there's 4,000 people who live on the streets every night, living homeless. And we started Esther's home with the idea of reaching out to young girls that are pregnant. They have no place to stay. They might be sleeping underneath the bridge at night. They might be uh, just sleeping underneath an awning at night. And we go out looking for these girls on the streets and we bring them back to our home. In our home, they receive free education, free food, free housing. We train them so that they finish our program and they go back out and get a real job. They no longer have to sell candies on the street to provide for the babies. They no longer have to sell their actual bodies to provide for the babies, but they're able to provide for their own children through a skill that they learn in our foundation. And you're asking, well, what does coffee have to do with that? Well, we're in Colombia, the capital of coffee in South America. And we traveled the mountains trying to find the best tasting coffee. And we found it. What's special about our coffee is we hand pick it. It's an it's a organic process. It's a free trade process. And the coffee is, comes from a higher elevation, which creates a more robust flavor, the greatest tasting coffee you can buy. Each two bags that you buy through babybeans.com, will house one of our girls for one day in our girls' homes. 100% of all the profit goes straight to our girls' homes. I'd like to invite you to try some of our coffee to have the wow factor, but not just to have the wow factor, to have a warm heart when you're drinking our coffee, knowing that every penny of the profit is going straight to our girls' home and helping a girl have a new life. So I thank you very much. I love that we get to partner with them. And so, you know, if you ever want a great cup of coffee, you can go on to our website and find Baby Beans and order you some coffee. But I'm more excited that we have the opportunity to give 
uh, to the work that they're doing sacrificially and generously. Uh, one of the things that I, I appreciate so deeply about their ministry is they're, they're willing to, to work to help support what they do uh, there in Medellin, Colombia. Uh, but this is an, uh, an opportunity for us to love on them and love on them well for their service in the gospel. So I would encourage you to give sacrificially to that. You can put uh, your gift in one of our giving kiosks on your way out right by the exits. And uh, what I want to do is I want to pray for us uh, as we kind of launch into our service. Father God, we come in the name of Jesus. We come giving thanks for your goodness and your grace. And we come thankful, God, that you have blessed us with so, so much. We come praying now, Father, that you would stir our hearts, that you would stir our hearts to give generously and sacrificially, God, to your work in another part of this planet, uh, to a ministry that is serving the needs of, of, of mothers and unborn babies. And so we just pray, God, that you would stir in our hearts now. I also pray, Father, that as we worship you tonight, as we come to adore you, Jesus, that you would receive our worship, that God, because we are present here together, celebrating at Christmas, Lord, you would be blessed from us, from our hearts. And I pray for my brothers and sisters here tonight that they would find a blessing in your presence with them, with us. Thank you for being God with us tonight. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Like Joe said, we are here to adore our Savior. We are here to give him the glory. So we're going to invite you guys to stand up with us uh, as we celebrate this season and sing, by singing an old favor.
Christmas, yeah. Hey guys, take a seat. I just wanna invite you to take a seat. I'm so glad you're here. I'm gonna read to you from God's word, which is just a great joy of my life to read from his word. But first I wanna give a quick shout out to River Kids. Yeah, Merry Christmas. I see you in your slippers. Merry Christmas. I'm, I'm just so thrilled to see you. Guys, I want to invite everyone in the room. I have trouble standing still, so bear with me. I will not go off the stage. Sarah's got me. So I want to invite everyone in here. And Occasionally in River Kids, we do this. Just close your eyes. As I read from God's word, let it fall fresh on you. As I told them earlier, let it overwhelm you with joy. So I'm going to read now from Luke 2, and if you choose, I mean, experience it with me. And I just want to thank the Lord Jesus that I get to read from his word, Lord, be glorified. Luke 2, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in that same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto us, unto you, is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. And lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God For all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them, this is the word of the Lord. Merry Christmas. (laughs) 
We're the Powell family. My name is Lindsay. This is my husband, Taylor, our boys, Grayson and Sullivan, and our daughter, Virginia. We have been connected to River Bluff for a little over a year now, and we're just really excited and blessed to be able to continue the celebration of Advent with you all tonight. We start by relighting the candle of hope, which reminds us of the hope that we have as we await the imminent return of our Lord Jesus. Candle of peace to remind us of the peace with God that Jesus made through his sacrificial death on the cross. Today we light the candle of joy to remind us of the great joy the angels proclaimed when Jesus was born. And now we relight the candle of love. This candle reminds us of the great love God displayed when he sent his only begotten son so that we may have eternal life with him. And now we look in the Old Testament. We read the words from God in Isaiah 9-2. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. And now we get to light the Christ candle because Jesus Christ is the true light of the world and he has come. We look at John 8:12. We read the words spoken by the Lord Jesus. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness and will have the light of light, but will have the light of light. Let us pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for sending the light of the world, your son Jesus Christ, to give us hope, peace, joy, and love on this day. In your son's name we pray, amen. Where they 
That one was mine. This song that we're about to sing is uh, it's really special, I think, to, to me and to a lot of people around here. And it, it asks a very important question that I think that we all need to, to consider and to ponder at, at this time of year. When we think about the incarnation, we think about Jesus, the Son of God, being born into human form. It's easy to lose the grand spectacle of what that means. And this song asks that very important question. It asks, in the grand history of the world, how many kings, how many rulers, how many lords, how many gods have given up everything for me? And obviously, that's a, that's a pretty simple answer. There's only one. It's only Jesus. So as we sing this song, as, as we start to engage with these words, I want us to really be consumed and captured by the radical grace that is portrayed in this song. So why don't you guys continue to worship with us?
Father, we come tonight. God, we, we all show up with different things on our hearts. We come, God, with uh, some with great joy, some with great concerns. But we all come, God, looking for something. Some of us come looking, having known you for many years, and knowing that in our searching seeking you, seeking your face, God, that we find all that we need. Maybe there's somebody here this evening who you're kind of seeking and you're kind of in the early stages of that journey. But you've come to understand that there is this God who gave up everything. He gave up his, his son. That son gave up his joy in heaven, his place in heaven to step down here for, for you, for us. And so my prayer this evening is that as we have worshiped you, Lord, as we've honored you, Lord, I pray that now as we think about the story of Christmas as proclaimed from your word, that we would come to understand that it is only through your radical sacrifice that we know we are acceptable in your sight. So thank you for giving up so much more than anybody else has for us so that we know we could be acceptable in your sight. That's my prayer tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and please be seated. And let me say... I know it has been said, and I've had a chance to say it too, but I want to say it again. Merry Christmas. Yeah. I uh, can't. Merry Christmas. You are so your father's daughter. You just are so. Katie, God bless you, babe. Just, just God bless you, sister. Uh, yay, everybody's going to get in on it. Okay, everybody, go ahead. All together now. Yay! Woohoo! I'm, I'm not going to call anybody out or anything. <laughs> everybody wants props, don't they? <laughs> it's a joyful place to be. It really, really is. A moment ago, I was, as we were worshiping, I was in the back corner. And um, I was just kind of looking around, watching, watching you guys worship. And it's just so precious and sweet to watch you worship the Lord uh, together, and I, I watched one daddy dance with his daughter, and my heart melted, because I think we're going to see a lot of dancing in heaven um, as we worship the Lord, and I know some of you are saying, am I in a Baptist church? Yes, you are, but there's a reason that the Bible tells us that we are to dance unto the Lord. And uh, it can be a very, very beautiful thing. You know, this, this season, for so many, is a season of great joy, 
Uh, it's a season of great hope uh, for so many. As we've been celebrating Advent, our hearts have been lifted. As we've foreseen the second coming of our Lord Jesus, we've, we've focused on that and we've thought about that. And uh, we've kind of reflected on his first coming, thinking about his second coming. And so for many, it's filled with hope. But there are others this time of the year uh, is, is filled with sadness. There are some, uh, maybe you're in this room. Uh, and there's some sadness connected to this season because of loss of a loved one. Maybe someone that uh, you will not see this Christmas for the very first time. And your heart is heavy because of it. Uh, there, there are families who are suffering because of illness and disease. And uh, that, that can make this season heavy. I know that um, my, my father-in-law, his brother, we got word um, today that his brother passed yesterday. And so I'll be... Uh, heading to Williston on Monday to do uh, a funeral there. And so they're, they're, uh, that's just illustrating that there are families who, though it may not be you, and I pray to God that it's not, there are other families who may be struggling right now. And if you're, if you're one of those, I want you to know that God has a place for you at Christmas. Um, he understands, he knows, he, he sees what's going on. And no matter where we find ourselves on that spectrum, uh, we know that we can gather together to remember and to remind one another uh, what Christmas is about, that we were, we were made by God. The God of all creation created us in, in his image. And so that means we are loved by him because he loves all of his creation. And he showed that he wanted to love us in a special kind of way by coming at Christmas. He, he actually took on flesh. Now when the gospel writer Matthew is summarizing the entire Christmas story. I love the way he did it in chapter 1 of Matthew in verse 22. It says this. Matthew writes, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord God had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, the prophet he's speaking of there is the prophet Isaiah, who about 700 years earlier had prophesied that. Those very words, we find this in Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And that's an incredible name, Emmanuel, God with us. And, and it reminds us again that God came. Remember when God in the beginning in Genesis created the heavens and the earth, the Bible tells us that he blessed it when he made it. And God has no intention of giving up on his creation. And God has no intention of giving up on any one of you. Even me, he's not going to give up on. He's not going to give up on, on any of us. He, he doesn't have that in, in his heart. And that's why he came at Christmas. God came declaring at Christmas through Emmanuel, I am with you. And for somebody to really be with you, you've got to know that they have accepted you. God, through Christ, accepts you as you are. And this Christmas season, the journey that I've personally been on has been one of, of kind of delving into that more, of understanding that Christmas is really all about the radical acceptance of God. Something he's been teaching me uh, this whole month of December as we've made our way through Advent. And this is kind of the message that God has been kind of filling blanks in in my heart and mind. And it's this, accepting 
God's acceptance of me. That I've got to learn to accept God accepting me more than I ever have in, in my past. Now, there have been seasons in my own life when I've resisted. I don't know if you've ever done this, but kind of resisted God's acceptance of me. I've had a hard time actually believing at times that God could fully accept me. And so, therefore, there are days when I have difficulty maybe even accepting myself, you know, accepting things about me that I may not like, accepting, you know, my squatty body or, or, or whatever else, you know, just accepting my past, some history that I have concerning sins that I've committed, mistakes that I've made, parts about myself that I just find unacceptable. But if I'm going to experience God with me in all of its fullness, I've got to come to realize that God accepts all of me, just as I am, mess, mess and all. And for you to fully experience Emmanuel, God with you, you've got to come to understand that God's word says he accepts you fully in Christ Jesus. As you come to him through Christ, if you're going to experience him, you've got to let that radical acceptance of God fill your heart and mind. God has said, I completely accept you where you're at. Come to me. Now, in the biblical account of that first Christmas, we could trace through the lives of all of the major players there, uh, through this narrative, what it looked like for them to go through this journey of understanding what it means to be accepted by God. Some of them came to understand the radical acceptance of God. Some of the characters, like Herod, never did. But I want you to see that you know, through the life of Jesus' mother Mary, what this biblical pattern for acceptance can actually look like. But before we turn to the scriptures, I want to introduce you to, to something that I was introduced to by a, a Christian counselor and his wife. Um, and it's a, it's a scale, if you would, uh, a scale of acceptance. Uh, Rick uh, Blackman and his wife Sherry were the ones that I, I learned this from. And it actually can be applicable to every area of life. It can be applied to any condition in my life that I need to accept. I don't know if maybe there's something that you've encountered in your life, a circumstance that you just did not want to accept, that you didn't want to live with, that you just wished wasn't there. Maybe it was an attribute. Uh, maybe it was a, a character flaw. And you just wished it wasn't there. Maybe it's an emotion that just wells up inside of you that wish, you wish would just kind of blow away. But at Christmas, I want you to see that all of those things come to be acceptable in God's sight. It's part of his radical acceptance. And there's a journey that you can take. And so I want you to see this scale. Could you bring, it's already up there. How about that? Thank you, Cheryl. This scale, and I want you to think about and see with me how it moves from kind of the bottom up. And at the lowest level is this kind of idea that when I encounter something that I don't like, maybe about life or circumstances, or, or maybe it's even in my relationship with God, as you'll see with Mary, maybe there's just something that I, I didn't feel like I could accept, so I just kind of reject it. I reject that it's possible that I could be accepted that way, or that I could accept something. But then as you move up this scale, the next part is uh, kind of a, uh, it's not so much rejecting it as it is resisting. You're no longer denying. You're no longer living in denial, if you would. You're just kind of saying, I don't want this. And you push back uh, against it. But this still, this resistance just kind of leaks out of you. And then 
Then in the middle zone there, it's this enduring. You just kind of endure it. You don't want it, but you're starting to understand it's just going to be present with you. You kind of tolerate it, um, and you just kind of say, this is going to be part of my life. Whether I like it or not, it's going to be part of my life. And so you begin to open yourself up to it. Then you move to the next level of the scale, and it's the scale where you really begin to accept this. It may be a person that you start to accept that you hadn't before. It may be a circumstance that you're living in. Um, it may be an emotion that you find just coming up over and over again, and you say, this is emotion I need to, to accept and I need to, to, to embrace, which is the next level. And it's where you fully accept something. You just kind of embrace it. You say, this is my reality. I'm not going to deny it anymore. I'm not going to resist it anymore. I'm just going to really try to step in it. And maybe as you walk through this, um, you, you begin to see these stages as we walk through this in the life of Mary. But before we do that, I want to challenge you to do something. As we're moving through this with Mary, I want you to let the Holy Spirit maybe point out maybe a person that you haven't fully accepted in your life. Maybe some reality, some circumstance that is just true about you. Maybe it's a relational reality. Maybe it's somebody that just constantly rubs you the wrong way, but they're going to be with you. They're going to be in your life. It may be, it may be a, 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 an adult child. It may be, you know, a, a parent. It may be, I don't know who it might be for you. It may be a sibling, but they're going to be in your life, and you need to kind of ask the question, where are they on this scale of acceptance? Where am I with them? And then even ask yourself the question, where am I on this scale with having fully embraced God's acceptance of me? So I want us to walk through the, the life of Mary. Uh, hearing God's word, we can, we can find this in Luke chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, Mary actually walks through all five of these levels. Uh, we see this in Luke chapter 1. Uh, I want to start with kind of the background that where her reaction comes from. Uh, in, in Luke chapter 1, verse uh, 26, it says this, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a virgin, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her, the angel did, and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now that was the background for what Mary would begin to experience. And it leads to this first reaction. Mary kind of rejects what the angel says. She, she just, it, it doesn't make any sense to her. So she rejects it. Uh, initially, you, you hear those words and you think, oh man, great words. But when they fell on Mary, Mary pushed back. She just kind of rejected it. She, could, she didn't see the positive nature of these words that the angel brought. Look in verse 29. This is what happened to Mary. It says, she was greatly troubled at the saying, and she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Now, the word there that Luke uses for troubled is a, is a Greek word, and it, it, it is a deep sense of, of troubling. Jesus would use this on the night before he would uh, be betrayed and then suffer and die. In, um, in John chapter 14, Jesus told his followers, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then later... Uh, the following day, actually that early in the morning, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he says, my soul is troubled to the point of anguish, to the point of death. This is the same word that's spoken of, of Mary, the troubling that she is experiencing. And she's just rejecting. She, it doesn't make any sense, these words that she's highly favored. 
Jesus experienced this kind of troubling uh, in the garden, and his mother is going through the very same thing, you know, years before. Now, Mary was astute enough in her study of God's word to know that this that she was experiencing was a calling from God. She would have recognized that. She would have thought about God's call on Moses' life and God's call on Gideon's life and God's call on Jeremiah's life and all these greats. And one of the things that's true, I think we often have this, um, we'll call it a romantic or romanticized version of those calls that, you know, God came to Moses or God came to Gideon and everything was just rosy. And it wasn't. Those, those, those men rejected at first completely rejected God's call. They said, we can't do this. It's impossible. And so Mary realized she was going through this calling on her life from God. She understands that that's what's happening. And suddenly she begins to move up the scale. She moves from rejection to resistance. She just, Mary resists now. She starts kind of pushing back. Look what she says in, uh, in Luke chapter 1, verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, she's asking a question. How will this be since I'm a virgin? It's like, this can't happen. There's just no way. It's it's impossible. She's not rejecting it out right now. She's starting to ask some questions. And so if you read the narrative, the angel responds, giving her some very specific details of how this could happen by the power of God. And so this moves Mary into the the kind of the middle of the scale where we see Mary is kind of enduring. she can tolerate it. She begins to think that, okay, if this is true, then I've got to respond somehow. And friends, this is the point of surrender. This is the place on the scale where you begin to surrender to reality. You start to kind of accept what needs to be accepted. Look at verse 38. Mary says this, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. This is the point that so many people stay stuck at. Never, never get past the ceiling of surrender. Never break beyond that. But Mary does. And Mary steps into the next level in this movement. And we see Mary accepting. She accepts what's going on. Luke goes on in the Gospel of Luke chapter 1 telling us that Mary hurriedly gets ready to go to the hill country where her cousin Elizabeth is. And um, because we'll find out she knows what's happening. When you get to Luke chapter 1 in verse 39, we read this. In those days, now this is the day that of the encounter with the angel. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Now, friends, this is, this is kind of a stage of willingness. Even though you might have mixed emotions, which Mary probably did, she, this is the moment of action. When you stop, start stepping into what's, what you need to do. This is when you decide that I'm going to let my life actually be con- come congruent with the reality around me. I'm accepting these circumstances. And then we see Mary moves uh, from there even qu- more quickly into acceptance, out of acceptance and into fully embracing. And Mary, Mary breaks out in song what's known as one of the greatest songs in all of the scripture. It's called the Magnificat uh, because Mary begins to say, my soul magnifies the Lord. Look at this in, in Luke chapter 1 verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. 
For behold, from now all, on all generations they will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done a great things for me. Holy is his name. She wholeheartedly, Mary does, she embraces her situation. She embraces her circumstance. She embraces what God has called her into. Um, that through her, the Messiah of the world will come. And so that's what Mary's journey of accepting, fully accepting God's acceptance of her, God's call on her life, is how Mary came to see that God would be with her in Jesus, who she would give birth to. Now at Christmas, I believe, God extends to all his children that same call, that he is here with us to radically accept us. He's speaking that out to each of us. And all of us are going to be given an opportunity to come to that place of surrender. And answer like Mary did. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done according to your word. It's kind of like, anybody remember the Beatles? You, you remember the, the, the song, Let It Be? That, it's that moment. It's that let it be moment. Jesus, let it be for me. Let, let your word come to me. When Jesus would grow from this babe at Christmas into this, this adult, his whole message would be about the radical acceptance of God. Listen to his words in John 6, verse 37. Jesus says, I will never turn away anyone, anyone who comes to me. Friends, there's another word for radical acceptance in the Bible, and it's the word, it's the word grace. One of the great illustrations that for grace in my life came out of a season, if you would, of sorrow. Uh, sorrow over uh, being, feeling inadequate in my prayer life. Just a struggle of feeling inadequate in my prayer life. And one of the ways that that, that struggle manifested itself was when I saw a picture. Um, some of you, can you bring that picture up, Cheryl? How many of you have ever seen this picture? Okay, it's a very famous, how many of you have it in your home? We had several in, at four o'clock who had it in my home. It's, it hangs in my dad's house. And the title, does anybody know the title of the picture? It was, it was first a photograph before it became a painting. Anybody know the title? It's Grace. The title of this, uh, of this photograph was Grace. Uh, uh, a photographer in the 19, in early, late 1918, 19. Uh, maybe 1920, was entering a uh, photography contest and a man knocked on his door who was selling boot scrapers. And that man's name was Charles Wilden. And this photographer got so excited because he thought he would be the perfect, just the perfect person to capture the, what's in my head. And so he invited Charles Wilden in and asked him would he pose for this picture. And so he set the stage, and we see this, this man here uh, who looks like he's earnest in prayer. He's praying over a loaf of bread, maybe a bowl of soup. His spectacles are on what look like a Bible. And I remember when I saw that years ago thinking, I wish I could pray like that guy. Have you ever, have you ever judged your own interior because of what you saw going on in somebody's exterior? 
You see something, you know, you see somebody's life over there, and you begin to cast judgment on your own soul. Well, that's what that picture did for me. I, I was just, I, I thought, I want to pray like that guy's praying. I don't know who that guy was. I just knew I wanted to pray like he was praying. A few years later, I learned the story, the backstory to this picture. That, that gentleman who had been going door-to-door, you know, selling shoe scrapers, um, he had kind of a sordid history. He battled alcoholism. Uh, he uh, had no faith that anybody knew of at all. Um, the only actual record legal documentation for Charles Wilden's life was when his wife filed for divorce. And she was issued a divorce decree against him. Um, he lived in a sod hut. Uh, historians have told us that, that have researched it. And the, there was also um, some, some historians came up with what is in that photograph is not a Bible, it's a dictionary. Now, I had let that picture judge my soul. And because I didn't feel acceptable to God in a certain area of my life. And then this picture called grace. You know, I come to understand the backstory behind it. But when I did, I thought, how wonderful. Not wonderful for me, but how wonderful that this painting is called grace and the reality of the backstory. Because grace in our world, God's grace that's poured out on us, God's radical acceptance is for people who are messy. Charles Wilden's life was a little bit messy. Guess what? Yours is too. Guess what? Mine is too. All of our lives are a little bit messy, and God's radical acceptance is poured out on people like us. No matter how messy we are, God's radical acceptance is for us. That's called grace. And I love it because it speaks deeply about the acceptance of God's grace in Jesus. It reminds me of another part of the story of Christmas. All the characters in the story of Christmas, most people would have thought and were thinking that when God sends Messiah, he's probably going to come through the religious elite like the Pharisees or scribes. Or he'll show up as a king like maybe Herod or, 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 or Caesar Augustus. But when he came, he came to an impoverished young woman named Mary who was not even married, to a betrothed husband who was scared to death named Joseph. He made himself known first to a group of shepherds who were on the lowest status, if you would, at the bottom of the totem pole. He, he made himself known to a bunch of pagan magi who were coming from the east who basically studied astrology in a lot of ways. And then, of course, the unlikeliest moment was God himself shows up as a baby in a manger. God came to be with us in a radical way so we could know that we are radically accepted. He gave us grace. Listen to God's word on grace. Romans chapter 3 verse 21 says, now God says he will accept and acquit us, declare us not guilty if we trust Jesus Christ to take away our sins. And we all can be saved in the same way by coming to Christ no matter who we are or what we have been like. 
Paul writes to the church at Philippi, speaking of himself, he said, I could not make myself acceptable to God by obeying the law of Moses. Paul said, there was nothing I could do. And then he said, God accepted me simply because of my faith in Christ. And Jesus came, and Jesus gave us acceptance through sacrifice. And he left us with a command. A command to remember his radical acceptance. A command to remind one another of his radical acceptance of what he came to do. And he did this on the night before his great sacrifice so that we would never forget his acceptance. We call it communion. It's where we remember his great sacrifice that clearly declares his great love, his great promise to never forsake us, to never leave us, his great promise that he fully, radically accepts us in Christ. And so we want to share in that this evening as a way to remember, to remind ourselves of that radical acceptance, God's great grace. The Apostle Paul gave believers at the church in Corinth instructions on how to step into this moment. And I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians 11, Paul's words. Paul said this, he said, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup. And after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. So let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is the word of the Lord. And we're going to take a moment to share in communion, but I want to give you a few instructions first. If you did not pick up communion elements on your way in Uh, in a moment our worship team is going to share a song with us you can just head out step out and and grab some and come right back in while that's going on Um, but the other thing that I want you to do is I want you to take some moments as they sing to do what the Lord's word said and that is let the Holy Spirit examine you to see if there's anything in you that just isn't right between you and, and God and then make it right. If it's sin you need to confess, confess it. If, if the Holy Spirit brings to mind some, maybe an amends you need to make to somebody, determine that before the night's over, you're going to call that person. You're going to commit to follow up with that, that work. So whatever the, the Holy Spirit leads you to do, do that. In, in other words, the way Paul put it, let a person examine himself. So as they sing, take, take these moments to examine yourself. And then after... Uh, The song ends, I'll come back and lead us and we'll take communion together. Take this time to reflect on God.
if you would, um, take your elements, the, the cup, and just if this is your first time using this kind of style of communion cup, I'm going to save you a little grief, I think. If you'll just hold your cup and where that little tab sticks out, just kind of flick it down. Just flick it down. It'll save you a lot of grief in just a moment. Now I'm going to ask you to pull that first little layer back and remove that little wafer. God's Word tells us that on the night before he was betrayed, Jesus was with his disciples and he broke bread with them. And he took that bread and he held it up and said, this is my body and it's broken for you. Take and eat of it. And then the scripture tells us, and I would encourage you to go ahead and pull back that next layer, that after sharing in the bread of his body, that Jesus then took the cup. And he said, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink from it, all of you. I'm going to ask Pastor Guy Smith if he will come and lead us in a prayer of thanksgiving for the sacrifice that Jesus made. Let's pray. Amazing God, our Father, who has given so much to us, a child on Christmas Day, a Savior on the cross. I don't understand it, but I accept it, I embrace it, I love it, and I'm so thankful that you did that for us. You are such an incredibly great God that you love us that much. I just thank you. Thank you for this time together of worship. Thank you for this time together uh, in your word. Thank you for this time together of just being a family. So I thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask those, our deacons, who are going to come and help uh, in our time of lighting of the candles together. As they're coming, I want to share some scripture with you. Uh, The prophet Isaiah said that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them the light has shone. In John chapter 8, Jesus said of himself, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus, the Bible says, is the light of life. So I'm going to light my candle off of this, and then they're going to come And from the Christ candle, they're going to share with you. And then if you want to, when they get to one of you, you can share with one another the lighting of from the Christ candle.
when your candle has been lit, I'm going to ask you if you would stand and join us as our worship team leads us in singing Silent Night together. Hopefully that'll be better. This is my prayer of blessing for you. That you will find and know the radical acceptance of God in Jesus Christ. That you, you will know that acceptance is so deep and so rich that it will give you the strength to accept anything that comes into your life knowing 
that God himself may not have put it there, but that he allowed it. And because his grace is so great, he is able to work all things, all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. May his grace be that sufficient for you as you live in his radical acceptance. God bless you. Merry Christmas. If you would, blow out your candles without burning your hair. And then you can deposit them on your way out in the plastic bin. God bless you. Merry Christmas.